You are now listening to the After Deck. What's up, everyone? It's Kate Chastain, and you are listening to After Deck. On this week's After Deck, I am being joined by Brianna Adeke, my stewardess from Motor Yacht Valor. It's actually the perfect week for her to join us to chat because there's a lot going on with her. Not only does she get into a little bit of a conflict with Jen on our night out in St. Bart's, but also her and Nico seem to have a bit of a romantic relationship happening on the slow burn. Fortunately for me, I happen to be in Los Angeles at the same time that I wanted to have her on After Deck, but unfortunately for you, the listeners, the room we recorded in might as well have been an aluminum tunnel. So when you hear our interview later, you'll have to forgive me for the sound quality, but there is still some good content and laughs to hear. Meanwhile, I've had the craziest week. I feel like I'm sleepwalking. I might be. So on Thursday, there was a fashion show at my local church. My mom said, oh, you know, they're having a fashion show. You should go have Genesis Boutique represented. And I said, great. So they sent over teachers and I styled two teachers and two look each for the fashion show on Thursday night. And of course, I went to represent Genesis Boutique and somebody happened to bring in this really gorgeous sequin BCBG gown that day. And I was like, well, it would be rude for me not to wear this to the fashion show because it's like advertising for the store and it's pretty amazing. So I'm driving to this fashion show having no idea, thinking it's like my mom and her prayer circle friends. I'm probably overdressed in this sequin floor length BCBG gown essentially but when I showed up it was 250 people not only was it 250 people it was like every table had a theme of a tv show a whole table was dedicated to the Emmys and they were all wearing gold glitter body paint I was probably the least well-dressed. So I loved it. And then the fashion show organizer, who was so sweet to include Genesis Boutique, said Genesis Boutique will be at the very end of the show. I was like, great. She goes, and we'd love if you would take the microphone and, you know, just talk about what the ladies are wearing. As I looked around at 250 people, I got a little nervous. I mean, I like attention. Who doesn't? But public speaking is a whole nother thing. But of course, I said yes. So then my time has come. They are calling me to the microphone stage. The runway is lit. It is happening. And Mrs. McCauley is walking down the runway in Genesis Boutique's Calypso St. Bart's sequin tunic. I am making shit up. She is ready for her summer vacation. Yes, she is. I'm saying it and it's October. And then there was a pause because the teachers had to change. So there's like nobody on the runway and there's about 200 drunk ladies. And I panicked. I thought all eyes were on me. So I went into a spiel. So I think now is my time. I got to fill the silence. I start going into statistics about Genesis House. Genesis House has been around since 1977, which is amazing, by the way. We're celebrating our 40th anniversary, October 21st, with a gala. But these women, they were there to drink vodka and buy purses and look at fashion. So I was kind of a buzzkill. So I was like, we've offered 25,392 nights of shelter to homeless women and children. Luckily, I finished on a high note and I said, and we've had eight babies born this year. And everybody cheers to that. And another teacher came out in a beautiful sequin dress and all was right in the world. And then I handed the mic off 
off and I drove home. That was Thursday. Friday, I had a flight to Los Angeles, but not before taking my dog Halo to my dad's house, which is basically like summer camp for him. My dad has two border collies. Every door in the house has a doggy door. I think I've been so busy lately with the show, the charity events, the Genesis Boutique, that maybe I forgot to walk him a few times because he took a big old sh** right in my living quarters. So, you know, the day after you... accidentally MC a fashion show and you're scrubbing a bunch of shit off the floor while you try to fly to LA, you're not going to do your best packing, are you? Which is fine. It's fine. So then I figured, you know what? When I get to Los Angeles, I will just go shopping. So I got to Los Angeles after dropping Halo off. I still really miss him. I finally made it to like this store called Wasteland and I didn't make it there till eight. They closed at nine and I managed to spend $346 in that hour. And if they had been open any longer, I don't know, I could have done some real damage. So here I am in LA. I recorded with Brie in a room made of cinder blocks. So it's going to sound horrible to you guys, but it was still super fun. I miss my dog, but I've got some great vintage clothes. That's what's new with me. So like I said, I have my Stu Bree on After Deck this week. Hi Bree, how are you? Hey there, I'm good. So actually, it really worked out well because I happen to be in Los Angeles for some below deck work and Bree lives here, so we are recording this episode of After Deck in person. Live. I'm so glad to see you, Bree. What have you been up to? Oh, I'm just living the LA life. But I don't live the LA life, so I need you to explain to me. I got a lot of questions about it, actually. Okay, well, um, it's never boring. There's always something to do here, for sure. It's so beautiful. Yeah, always sunshine. Um, I don't know, there's always something to get into. I, I hike a lot. I live right next to Griffith Park, so that's pretty awesome. Um, there's always parties to go to there's there's just so much to do yeah there's so and much it's happening. all so beautiful mm-hmm. do you get down to melrose avenue very often um i know where it's at is melrose was i being a tourist was that super touristy kind of yeah really kind of <laughs> yeah no but you probably scored i did couple, get some shops mm-hmm. i did get some cute stuff but so where are the cool local places to hang out Ooh, i start shopping anything give me um, i'll take anything at this point Hold on, I guess we really brainstorm right now. I just feel um, like everything's so far away. Like, I, I've i only been to Los Angeles a handful of times. The first time I was in uh, Santa Monica, which clearly everyone loves Santa Monica. Yeah. It's effing beautiful. Yeah. Um, but that's, everything's so far away. Yeah, it seems, well, it seems extra far because of all of the traffic. Um, so, yeah, because of the traffic, I do tend to stay here around Hollywood quite a bit. So you live in Hollywood. Yes. Hollywood, you really live in Hollywood? Right? Yeah, it's crazy. I never thought I would be here. It just kind of happened. Do you run into celebrities often? Yeah, I do see quite a bit of celebrities. Besides yourself, obviously. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I do see a lot of celebrities over here. Um, this is they they just live here. I mean, I uh, I was massaging for a company that we would actually go to people's homes, and I did massage a couple um, celebrities. <laughs> Are you allowed to tell us who? Um. Maybe not. not Are you sure. allowed to tell us anything about them? Like, you don't, <laughs> a blind item. You don't have to say who it was, anything interesting. Right. Okay. Well, fun fact I'm actually not really into celebrities. Like, I don't know who's who. I don't watch too many movies. I'm just now getting into it because I live in Hollywood. Um, but I went to this guy's house, and this specific actor 
plays in a lot of creepy roles. So when I showed up, you know, with all my massage gear, I just had a weird feeling about it. I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. Um, but it was just because I remember seeing him in like sketchy movies. Um, but he was, he was a nice guy. He was overall. a nice guy. Mm -hmm. I've only given one massage in my life when I was a massage stewardess trying it out. Um, you did. And it was creepy. <laughs> That's just because I'm not comfortable rubbing people down with uh, oil. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, but you're a healer. You're yeah. a healer. Speaking of rubbing down people with uh, oil yeah. and being a healer, on this week's episode of Below Deck, you and Nico's relationship seem to evolve, seems to evolve a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about you and Nico's relationship on board? As of now, I'm just, I'm just, you know, feeling it out. I see it more as like a little boat fling. Well, what's a boat fling? It's here, it's just like <laughs> a boat fling for me is um, something to pass the time by. I have to spend, you know, so long on a boat for a period of time. You need something. Love the one you're with. If you can't be with the one you love, love, love the, the one, one you're, you're with. with. You're kind of a oh, hippie yeah. boho, so mm -hmm. I get that. Mm -hmm. But you and Nico kind of had a history from Barcelona that no one seems to remember except for the taxi driver. Um, but I totally get it. I think when you're in such close spaces, working so many hours for so many days on end, sometimes you start getting crushes on people that you wouldn't normally get crushes on just because it adds a little excitement to the day. It's completely true. But it seems like you have been a really nice sounding board for Nico because he's been under a lot of stress. Right, right. With Nico and EJ, for one, what do you think about Nico and EJ's behavior towards each other this episode? Wow, um, I was really surprised by them. They act like a couple of boys. <laughs> um, towards each other? Yeah, towards each other, yeah. for sure. I'm very surprised. I don't know. I mean, I guess to an extent I understand it was a surprise to everyone having EJ come on board. It was a surprise so, having EJ come on board. But do you think that it was a good thing that EJ came on board? I think it was a good thing that EJ came on board. For I sure. agree with you. I think it was necessary. I can see why Nico would have his ego bruised. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that he handled it in the best way. No, I don't think he handled it well. So I really appreciate you... You kind of were very good at giving him advice to do the right thing, but you were delivering the advice in a way that made it seem like it was his choice. Like, oh, yeah. you apologize to EJ. How manly of you. Looking back at this episode and seeing all the stuff that happened, because, you know, when we're working on the interior, we don't really know yeah. what's going on on deck. Were you aware that Nico was so kind of disrespectful to EJ? Um, I mean, I did get a little bit... I did see a little bit of it after um, the crew night out, but... Um, yeah, that crew night out was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Very crazy. Speaking of that crew night out, you and Jen kind of got into a little bit of it, which is strange because you are like the zen, you know, free spirit, peace and love personality, and I love that. But what made you at dinner that night kind of... <laughs> switch, flip the switch. Yeah. Um, it came out of nowhere. It, came out right. of, it was like your bitch flower had blossomed. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what happened? Well, okay. To be honest, I was having a conversation with Chef Matt, and he threw it out there that Jen was bitter. And I was agreeing with him, and Jen overheard me agreeing with him and decided to attack me. Um, of course, I wasn't going to throw Matt under the bus. It's just not me. So, yeah. So, Right. <laughs> you're kind of caught in a difficult situation. Mm -hmm. Because I think I agree with you that Jen was a little... I don't know if bitter is the right wait, word. Wait, wouldn't, she, wouldn't she 
drink. She tends no, to I, get. No, see, I think she's bitter when she works. <laughs> okay. I think that um, it's a big adjustment being on the boat for her, and mm-hmm. also I think what an, another big adjustment for her is not being the center of male attention. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure she was a hot little number when she got pregnant, but that was nine years ago, and so now she's coming back into the world with freedom again. However kind of she's not the same girl she was and you're the no offense to anyone the younger model so she might be a little bit uh uncomfortable with the fact so you want me to be the low on the totem pole in the workplace and i don't get to have all the attention from the boys mm-hmm. i think there might be a little jealousy there possibly jen did feel bad about her reaction when we're all out in same parts mm-hmm. and she got you a very sweet friendship bracelet which by the way i was very jealous of and i wanted one myself but it's fine um do you still have it yeah um i did love that bracelet it was so cute unfortunately i do not have it you wore it all season yeah i i lost it what like on the sailboat or yeah, yeah. so when that when the season was finished i jumped on the sailboat uh for about a month and i sailed around the caribbean yeah, I lost it then. Well, it was made of string. Probably so. probably diving or something. Yeah. Well, it was beautiful. It was very sweet of her. So after that uh, olive branch bracelet that she gave you, did you kind of feel like fresh page? Yeah, I, th- I really appreciated that for yeah. sure. Okay. Good. Speaking of Jen, you were on the beach when uh, the cheerleading outfit came out. In the episode, you say clearly Kate did not approve that, and clearly I did not. I had, I never would have. Some might see it as her taking initiative, but I feel like if that was really the case, she would have run it by me. I think she was just kind of wanting to wear a cute outfit because let's face it, our uniforms are ugly. They're hideous. Right. So I think it was Jen. <laughs> I went to Catholic school. I know what she was doing. She was like, I. This is my moment. This is my moment to not wear my ugly uniform. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was your first impression when you saw Jen wearing that outfit? Uh, pretty much like, what the fuck? Um, I mean, I wish I could have taken off that hot polo, really. We all want to wear a different outfit. Jen, do you think that the rest of the crew was just as shocked as you were? Absolutely. Were the guests a little surprised? Uh, The the guests are polite, so I feel like they wouldn't have said it, but do you feel like they were like, oh, we don't really get this? Right, I mean, I don't think the men minded at all. (laughs) Um, but... I don't think it was, I don't think the guests really appreciate that. Right, so then after I find out that she's changed into this ridiculous costume, I decide I want to teach her a lesson. And it's, it's funny to me that out of all the stewardesses I've worked with, Jen is the one that makes me feel the most like I'm having to be a mom. And she's a mom. I'm like, oh, ah, I, yes. I got to teach her a lesson. <laughs> and, and so I ask her to be the Valor mascot, which... It's all in good fun. I wasn't making... I'd rather have her be the Valor mascot than be like, okay, you're going to go detail, you know, the engineer's toilet with a toothbrush. I think there's a pretty lenient and fair tit-for-tat task to have her do, and the guests loved it. So she was the Valor mascot. So what do you think a mascot for Valor would be? I think... Okay, so let's run down the characteristics of Valor. It's... It's kind of like a Motley Crue. It's like the little rascals, like the underdog. So what's like, um, I was thinking like a, maybe it should be like a maritime animal. Like a dolphin. A manatee. It's a manatee because it's in the water, but it's not going too fast. So... It's pretty slow. 
How did you feel about Chris Brown getting fired? Oh, Chris. Uh, I don't agree with it, really. I really like Chris. Why don't you agree with it? I think he had potential. I mean, I wasn't on deck with him, so I didn't see absolutely everything. But I liked his his personality. I liked his vibe. Yeah, I liked it. You've worked on yachts before. Mm-hmm. I think that Chris Brown, with the right coaching, could actually be a good yachting yeah, one course. day. Mm-hmm. I think he does have the personality for it because it's important on board to have somebody who can make light of intense situations Mm -hmm. and unfortunately i think that was kind of the reason he got fired you know yeah like he wasn't taking serious situations seriously but that's actually kind of a positive if they know how to do their job Mm -hmm. early on in the season you said you were not going to get in the way of nico and his Mm -hmm. girlfriend but it seems like you kind of are unintentionally (laughs) well um I, you know what? It's not your girlfriend. It's Nico's girlfriend. Right. So I think that for you, you can only respond as much as Nico gives you. If he had said, listen, I've got a girlfriend, but I feel like he kind of forgot to mention that a few times. Um, yes, especially with me. He didn't really mention her at all with me. I mean, you know, in the very beginning, um, if anything, a few times he mentioned, like, it's not that serious. Right. You know, so... He wants to have his cake and eat it, too. Right. I mean, there have been seasons on boats where I did have a significant other, but I, it's kind of like, if you're not engaged, don't even bring it up. No one gives a <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, like, I didn't bring it up. Like, <laughs> different area codes, right. like, something happens. Middle of the ocean. Yeah. The fact that you're on board and Nico's going through such a stressful time with EJ, I really think that uh, it's good that you're there because I think you might be a bright spot in his otherwise kind of stressful days i think so too what is it about nico that attracts you cabin fever cabin fever (laughs) cabin fever no nico's adorable um i can't say i would go after him land life what is your type (laughs) land life here i have a theory on your land life type it's like somebody who would have had a man bun two years ago but knows it's not cool to have a man bun now (laughs) i love man buns you still? Still. Oh, aren't they out? I don't know. You you live in LA, so I trust I just, you. I just you recently should... fell in love with an Irish drummer. Does he have a man bun? Yes. But he lets it down when he's drumming. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. Musician. Musician. Passion. Like someone who's passionate about everything involving life. Yeah, I went through. I know exactly you know? that type <laughs> you're talking about. I also get attracted to that type, and usually they're unemployed. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, because they got passion. Yeah, that's. Oh, those they're always fun. They're always real good looking, mm-hmm. sensitive, artistic, funny, good in bed, and unemployed. Right. Yep. Yeah, but you're young. How old are you? Twenty six. Yeah, you've got plenty of time to date those musicians. <laughs> yeah, and you probably like a little facial hair scruff. I know I do. Yeah. Tattoos. Manly tattoos. Get a tattoo. Honestly, I love multiple. A, I love a good guy ring. A man that can wear a ring. On what finger? Not, not the, the ring finger. <laughs> of course. Oh, thumb ring. Pinky ring. Of course. I didn't know what kind of ring you're talking about. Well, what kind of ring? An index finger ring. No, I know what you're saying. I did. There was an Australian who wore a ring, and it was his like grandfather's wedding ring. Passed away, and he wore it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that man jewelry. Yes. Yeah, they're just like confident enough that they can wear jewelry. Uh-huh. 
I want jewelry, but not accessories. Like, right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. What about, like, did you ever watch The Hills? No. Because you're too young. Justin Bobby, ring any bells? Yeah. Like, I remember, I didn't watch it, but. That's your type. He's still around here, and he's a musician. <laughs> let's look him up. Justin Bobby? Justin Bobby. I thought we could hang out with him tonight. <laughs> I mean, let's find him on Instagram right now. We can have him Skype in. All right, so every week we choose a dinghy of the week and yachty of the week. Oh a dinghy of the week, do you know? You know what a dinghy is, yeah. right? A dinghy of the week is somebody who, you know, maybe had a less than impressive moment or probably made the biggest F up. <laughs> and then the yachty of the week is whoever did their very best. So, Bree, who is your dinghy of the week? My dinghy of the week. Honestly, I would have to say Nico. Hmm. Is this a sexual innuendo? I think you're not understanding what a dinghy is. Not that kind of dinghy. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, explain why. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he handled the situation with EJ really well. Which time? Ooh. Um, All the times. Majority of the times. Majority of the times. Yeah. He did apologize. He did apologize, so that, that was really impressive for Thanks sure. Thanks to you. Mm. Good job on that. Thanks. That was Actually, when I saw that on the episode, I was like, Brie, good job know. on that little puppeteering. You mm-hmm. really put set some things in action that needed to happen without even... Really trying. Yeah, I was <laughs> use those powers more often. So, um, okay, Nico is your dinghy of the week. Yeah. When he said, if I'm not boasting tomorrow, I was like, oof. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, then what? Because clearly that doesn't happen. So I guess he forgot about that ultimatum. But I think, you know, Nico was just, we all had a good time that night. And your yachty of the week. Yachty of the week would have to be really between EJ and Baker. Baker always wins. Baker always I, I chose Baker my first time. So did Captain Lee. Then I chose Baker again. And I think so did Nico. Baker always wins. I almost feel like at some point we're going to have to retire Baker <laughs> for being in the running because she just works really hard. She's really cool. She is, like, non-abrasive. Uh-huh. So everyone – who besides Baker right. is your Yachty of the Week? It would be it would be EJ. And Why? Um, pretty much how he handled the situation um, between him and Nico. I think any other person would have maybe been a little physical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think that uh, EJ is also my Yachty of the Week, which I never thought I would hear myself saying during filming. Because during filming, he just seemed like... This really nerdy guy mm-hmm. that was like overly enthusiastic and maybe kind of like teacher's pet to Captain Lee, like kiss ass. But now that I see Please it back, not. now that I see it back, the way he handled what Nico said to him, he was, he was nice to Nico the morning after when Nico should have been the one being nice to him. Mm-hmm. And like, I thought it was very impressive. So yay, EJ, you have won the official Yachty of the Week for both of us. Uh, unfortunately, the only prize you get is the honor and the glory. That's it. And for my dinghy of the week, I think it might be the same as last week, but I can't help it because Matt, 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 those Bananas Fosters. For those of you who were not there to witness the Bananas Fosters, Bananas Fosters only really has two main ingredients. 
bananas, and vanilla ice cream. Matt had neither. The bananas he used were not fresh. They were frozen. So they were already brown, brown mush. And then we had no vanilla ice cream, so we used chocolate, which was more brown mush. So essentially, I ended up serving the blindside family a big bowl of shit. <laughs> and that's just not yachty material. So Matt, I know you can do better. Well, thank you so much for being <laughs> with me today on After Deck Brief. Thank you. And I look forward to keeping up with you. So what do you have planned for the next? What do you have planned coming up? Um, I'm going to finish my glass of uh, whiskey. Oh, yeah. We are drinking whiskey, everyone. <laughs> it's super amazing. I was never a whiskey girl, but Brie is. And she's kind of making me think that I might become a whiskey girl. It's classy. I'm, is it classy? Yeah. Guys I'm, are like, mm, whiskey girl. Oh, whiskey. I thought it was like edgy. Yeah. Well, well the kind of guy edgy. that you like would like a girl that drinks whiskey. Right. Yeah. I mean, I usually drink vodka, but I think maybe I'll save vodka for like the summer and the morning time. And then whiskey <laughs> is for fall. I like it. Yeah. Well, cheers. 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 Coming up, don't stop listening because I have a special surprise guest that you guys are going to want to hear. And he's going to join us to talk after deck and what he's been up to lately. So like I said, we have a very special surprise guest. Here today with me, I have Chef Ben, I think everyone's favorite chef. How are you doing, Ben? Hey, Kate, really well. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. So what have you been up to lately? Oh, I've been I've been really, really actually I've been very, very busy. Um, I do a lot of private catering for high net worth folk all around the country. I do demonstrations. I did one recently at Italy. We decided to do a, a tasting menu for about 150 people. It really was just an amazing project. And we just had a really fun night with amazing exotic food, but it was an interactive thing. And uh, we were testing people's palates. There were below deck fans in the audience. So we were asking a lot of like below deck questions and you'd be, you'd be amazed. Um, you know, I, I, one of my questions was name two boats that have been on below deck. Right. And it was amazing how many fans just couldn't really remember the names of the boats. Like I had to give people a, uh, a bit of assistance, but it was hilarious. If you had a yacht, what would you name it? And also consider the tender. I like a good theme name, like George Strait, the country singer. I hate country music, but it was his boat was straight jacket and his tender was life jacket. Kind of clever. My, <laughs> my yacht name would be motor yacht ego tripper. And like the inflatable tender would be inflated ego. Okay. All right. What would you name your yacht, Ben? Okay. I, I, that's just, a, it's a great question, but I'm just not there yet. You know, um, would you I, ever... I think- Buy a yacht? You you do love boating. You're from the Cape. I do like boating. I do. I love boating. Uh, small smaller boats. Um, I I I do, and I love I love yachting as well. Uh, I I feel like you having a boat is 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 a success story, and I feel like and a lot of owners do do this. They kind of they they name their boat after their success story, or True. it could be a, a, a pun on that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully I'd be able to create some clever flashy Flash in the name. Pan. I mean, I remember that. Right. Well, that's going to be the name of my cookbook. Um, I remember there was this one boat, and you probably know of it. 
it was called the Tooth Fairy, and it, it was a big, big boat. You know, it was lovely. And obviously, the Tooth Fairy. You know, it's like, well, why, why would you call it that? So, this this guy had a, had a genius business idea, and uh, he um, he he was explaining it to his friend that you know this is how he's going to make his billions and all the rest of it. And uh, and his friend turned around and exclaimed, "Hey, uh, and who's going to give you all the money for financing the Tooth Fairy?" And so. It was a bit of a screw you, you know, and uh, so he called his boat the the, the Tooth Fairy. And I, I thought that was quite appropriate. I like that. I like I like it because it was cheeky, you know, and I like cheekiness. You are very cheeky, and I know you love people who are cheeky. How are you and Emily? Emily, oh, she's a cheeky little munchkin. Um, yeah. she's over in she's over in uh, in London. You know, Emily and I, like, you know, we, we're always going to have a special place in in one another's hearts. But um, I I can't exactly. Exclaim that that we're you know steady and dating at this point in time because we, we just don't see each other enough. So I don't think we see each other enough to have a serious relationship. But I look forward to seeing her. Well, I'm glad to hear that you guys are on good terms. I think you guys were adorable together. And sometimes timing is everything. It is. She's on. She's very ambitious. She's definitely a London girl, and you know that that was a thing of my past. I, you know, I'm kind of allergic to big metropolitan cities, actually, to be honest. Now, and uh, so, so hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, we may be able to rekindle something in the future. Well, I hope to see that. What have you been up to lately? You were at Italy, and then what did you do after that? Oh gosh, I've I've done lots of events um, all over, just like all over. I've been to Alabama. I've been to LA. I've been to Chicago. So, wait, you know, so I do a lot of local events. This is all you and your catering company and people find you through where? Your website? JeffBenRobinson.com JeffBenRobinson.com yeah. They uh, yeah. can find out how to book you for their events. You've done weddings, exactly. birthdays. Jeff. Everything. I mean, Everything. I'll do I'll do a, a 300 person event one, you know, for a, for a hospital charity or whatever and then the next minute I'll be doing a Valentine's Day dinner for two in some strange apartment in Miami. No, it, it, it's nice. It, it, I'm, I'm obviously in a very very privileged position and I, I really like to keep creating and creating these one-of-a-time experiences and it's rather like being on a yacht so I'll just sort of pick their brains and, and and you know try and understand what they like what they don't like and then I'll you know base a menu around it and it'll get passed around a few times and you know tweaked and then you know we'll set up and cook for them if somebody gave you a preference sheet and they said they love Caesar salads steak you know just really normal high-end taste Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just serve them Caesar salad and steak. You would be like, okay, I know your vibe, but let me show you my interpretation. Is that right? Yeah, that you you got it. I mean, we've worked together so long. I think you probably know my style better than I do. I mean, we might have to have that conversation at some point. But but yeah, I mean, I try and juggle it around, and and that would be what's called deconstructing. If you were a charter guest, who would you bring with you, and what would your preference sheet be? Oh, you know what? I would bring all of the ex-cast members of Below Deck with me, and we would just give the crew so much crap they wouldn't know what to do with us for the three days. Okay, so you're only allowed actually seven guests on this charter there's a lot more exes so you gotta i want to hear you name which ex below deck cast members would you bring with you oh gosh um 
First one, cat. Yeah, cat would. Yeah, yeah. Cat would have to be there. Emily would have to come along. Uh, oh, I would love cat to meet Emily. That'd be hilarious. Oh yeah, they'd they'd get on really well. Um, Lauren too. I, you know, I really liked CJ on the first season. I thought he was a good bloke. Really? Know? I did like him. He he probably came across as a, as a bit of a douchebag, but maybe that's why I liked him. I'm not sure. I I did actually like him. We we got on really well. Got cat. We've got Emily. We got CJ. You've got. Four more. I think I'd take the captain from the med. Mark. I, yeah, Mark. Captain Mark Howard. Now you I, got this more. Keep going. Go yeah, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Me and Eddie are just great, great friends. For, so for sure, Eddie. Uh, Emil? No, no, I don't think so. I, I, mean, I mean, he'd be great comic value, but I think after the second day, we'd probably be like a little bit over it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, so how many uh, we've got Mark. Maybe Sam. No, maybe Sammy from the first season. She was fun, you know, she was cool. So you got um, three from the first season. You really love the first season. Well, I I just feel like, you know, it's a special place in my heart. You yeah. know, I mean, you remember you know your first season and, yeah. know, and everything that's brand new and, and no one knows what to expect brand new show I mean everyone was just playing it by ear and that that was fun that was liberating you know you remember the good old days and like when gas was a nickel uh, so yeah, you've got like Captain yeah. Mark you've got Eddie Sammy CJ Emily Cat. you have one more person you're gonna bring I, it needs to be the worst behaved person in the world who could that be well I don't know I mean me could and they you be, like, could they be sad should they be witty? You know, I'd like to see you on the other side of the fence, to be honest, Kay. I, I think oh, are you talking about me? Good. Babe. I mean, oh, why oh not? thank you. I accept your invitation. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to point out that busy, I was the though. last one you chose, but save the best for last. I know that's your style. Well, I didn't, I didn't know if you were available or not. I mean, you just seem so busy and, you know, you, you're doing all the seasons. I, I didn't know if, I mean... To be honest, I, I held out because I would have I would have actually preferred you to serve me. But um but we could be buddies. <laughs> I'm just, love baby, baby, I'm just I would love kidding. to serve you a hot <laughs> cup of tea. Yeah, on my head probably. Okay, so those are your charter guests. What would be on your preference sheet? Honestly, I bloody well hate preference sheets. They've haunted me for for many seasons and they 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 were the bane of my existence for, for many years. I would liberate everyone of preference sheets. I'd just send in seven blank pieces of paper and just say, and maybe one of them would be like, use your imagination. You know, do you see where we're going with this? Because, you know, chefs are creative people. And, uh, and you know, if, if, if you pile on restrictions, it, it gives you this really anxious kind of awful little feeling about it yeah. and uh, and then it, you know you, you you kind of revert into your non-creative side I that's how like I you're still viewing the preference sheet from a chef's point of view I know you I know you love lobster you love oysters you love red I, you love red wine you love Heineken and Sprite making a shandy we really want to hear the things that you love I, I think I'd probably try and be try and be healthy but yeah okay I love oysters I, I love uni I love scallops and lobster I like I'm a bit of a brat I love caviar um, foie gras how do you uh, want your caviar do you want it with a bolognese or do you want it I just want it on everything instead of salt I just want caviar no you are right you put on egg salad ones it's amazing oh so good what else do you love oysters do you want them raw I want them raw with caviar <laughs> <laughs> and your grilled and cheese lemon. your grilled cheese 
with oh, have you ever had an oyster with caviar oh my god yeah i did pon- it was at per se it was amazing oh there you go a little ponzu sauce if you want to do the asian or we could do a little more traditional maybe a you know a, a, a dijonese or something or a little you know a little beluga you know i'm into it i'm into that program it would be the probably the most expensive below deck charter ever i'd probably order oh. about 300 grand in caviar what would you want your charter guest to be served for lunch sushi right that's a good call because it's light but filling yeah with brown rice it's even harder to make that as well so you know it takes longer in the rice cooker yeah i can do it i can do that baby Okay. <laughs> I saw on your Instagram story, you did a whole sushi tutorial. To be honest, I couldn't believe how easy it was. You know, I mean, I think people have this fear of sushi and it's fun. It's interactive. And, and you know what? That's that's what food's all about. It's about bringing people together and food and cooking is not impossible. You know, so it, you can actually see it's really it, it's actually an easy thing to do. But, you know, people have these uh, preconceived notions of things just being poss- impossible or out of their reach. And, and really, it's not. You're making it sound very easy to cook the way you do. And I've watched you. I think you have a special talent for it. But when you describe it to me that way, I almost feel like I could make sushi or I could make the things you do. But weren't there yachts that you ever worked on when you felt like I'm in over my head? Yeah. My second boat was a charter boat. And uh, it was a busy, busy charter boat. And uh, I remember the first... Service. The first charter dinner I ever did, I I thought, wow. You know, I was used to cooking for an owner with a very simple palate. I was very good at everything he liked and wanted. Now I was suddenly being creative. I was following preference sheets. I was 24 years old. It's a different vibe. And, you know, I mean, people are paying big money. The the pressure was on, you know, and... uh, you were in over your head? It, it occurred to me that one night, the first the first night I ever cooked on charter, I, I thought, wow. Because the captain was... I, I, I kind of screwed up, Kate, a little bit. What did um, you do? I, I was dealing with these lobsters, and they were spiny lobsters, and I didn't really know what... You know, I'd never really worked with them before. I'd always, I was always doing the New England lobster, and um, I was just finding it kind of difficult. And... Uh, you know, they were just dense, and I was just having problems with them. I, you know, they take a lot more cook time, and uh, I just wasn't really familiar with it. So I, I pulled them out, and they were practically raw, and I was, you know, and then suddenly there's bloody juice dripping all over the, the floor. I didn't put a sheet pan under it. I was young, you know, and... Uh, hey, nobody's... Well, I, I want to hear... Like, we all have embarrassing first-time stories. I know, and then how close, was it lunchtime at this point? No, it was leading up to dinner and it was tough. Uh, suddenly there was lobster juice all over the floor dripping down the, the, you know, the counters and I was freaking out. Now the mussels were becoming overcooked. I, I just didn't have it together. My, my the, captain, Are the guests at the table at this point? Yeah. At the and, table, the food right. is turning into a disaster and the chief stew is saying, hi. Yeah. It, well, are we the, ready you know, to plate? Exactly. And there you was saying, a lot of... Are you trying are you playing it cool? Like, we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. We're fine. Well I, I think to be honest, it was quite obvious that I wasn't fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> everyone knows when somebody's not fine, but there's no it, way you are like, it's fine. Yeah, but my captain, Jean, and and, and, and and he's probably never gonna listen to this, but he did me an amazing service. He was he was really hard on me, you know? And uh and I think that can really attribute some of my 
a success to that. He was he was Afrikaans. Um, mm-hmm. He was a Dutchman, and uh, he, he was just you know he was a he was a big strong boy as well. And uh, I was actually afraid of him physically. Uh, well, that's and, uh, shocking coming from you. Yeah, I know. But the uh, you know I, he was really tough on me, and he ran it like a big boat. So like when we were underway, I I didn't. I didn't realize that I had to do these really structured meals for only three other crew members. And, and I was like, he put, he gave me the dog watch as well. Like I, so I was watching the boat when we were underway and he was just, he was really tough on me and he'd made me work on deck with the first mate. And the first mate was this child and he was telling me what to do, what to polish and what to scrub. I tell you. But what happened with the lobsters that were undercooked? Well, I split them. Juice and everything went everywhere. I didn't know what the hell did, to do. Where did the guests end up eating that day? Pizza? Oh, no, I did a four course dinner. They had the lobster. And it was okay? Yeah, it, I killed it. Okay. I mean, in more ways than one. The but, lobster and right. the dinner. I did kill it, but I honestly, it was a good. Yeah, I did have that oh sh moment, and uh, and and I was over my head, and uh, I looked up to all the other chefs on the dock, and I, I was kind of doing the walk of shame that night, like you know, like oh god, I'm. I think you know. everyone knows. Yeah, when you they just heard like, about oh, it. Yeah. When and really I'm looking at the other can. chefs going, yeah. looking at the other chefs on the dock and going, oh, I bet you put out a really good dinner and didn't disgrace yourself in front of the captain. And But, you know, Jean got over it. And I and I, and I went on to, to meet the family and we did a big charter season and they, they loved me. And, uh, and I still cook for uh, Bill Lilly to this day. I do his birthday party every year in Boca. And uh, so it was a success story. But sometimes you need a fire under your ass to really overcompromise and succeed in life. And then Jean gave me that. So thank you. I agree. You. Sometimes it's bad feedback that makes you want to prove yourself. Yeah. So did we ever cover what was on your preference sheet for dinner? Breakfast, nothing. Lunch, sushi. Oysters everywhere. Oysters, caviar everywhere. What about alcohol? Are we talking like... Um, alcohol... Red, you love your red wine at night. I love really bloody good red wine, yeah. You know Noir? Yes, yeah, well done. Yeah, I mean, I, I was quite lucky as a child. I actually grew up with a um, a rather extravagant French vintage wine cellar that my 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 dad was courteous enough to uh, evolve over about fifteen years. Well, he was courteous enough to evolve it, but was he really courteous enough to share it, or did you just kind of oh, yeah. get on there? I thought I heard a story once where you were down there. This was like a storm or you got you were down there and you're just having to drink a lot of it well my dad does lock it up um but now but, but the, the reason why i like pinot noir is it, it, it's actually the same as um as a french burgundy and and uh, it's the same great burgundy french burgundy is pinot noir so i think just growing up with that you know is really sort of it held strong in my palate so then i'm sort of evolving into the pinot noirs of the world but uh, i i'm not quite at my father's state where I can drink vintage Burgundian wine, but um, hopefully one day. 
And what's your dream dinner? You know, I, I love steak. I love tasting menus, you know. What exactly is a tasting menu? It's basically a really good time for a chef to empty out the refrigerator. Um, so, so, so essentially, you'll look at your proteins and you'll create a kind of a, a, a rhythm. Um, it's quite, you've got to be quite good to do a tasting menu because the, the palate, you know, you're taking it on a journey and you don't want to throw it off along the way. I just thought that a tasting menu meant a ton of small dishes. That's, yeah, why not? I was fortunate enough to work in amazing restaurants. I worked at the Fat Duck in England. We were number one in the world. Um, oh, right, yeah. And we, we had a 17 course tasting menu and it was just an incredible journey and uh, just absolutely fantastic and and you know my that's my opinion and you know i think a, a, a tasting menu like you, you kind of look at all the dishes you've done in your life and then you put them into you know much smaller plates and categories and and then you start working on on, on that journey and, and so just a tasting menu basically yeah. is the best of what i can do the highlight reel in that in that that would be a lovely way of describing it and hopefully i could hopefully i could actually achieve that and uh you know i think it's an opportunity for a chef to to shine you know i i, I mean thomas keller he, he um he owns the per se and uh, the french laundry and he exclaims that you're actually bored with your plate of food after the second mouthful and and to be honest he's probably right you know um um, tasting menus obviously a very lavish display of um, unbelievable ingredients or, or, or systems that are close to the chef's heart and uh, you know I, 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 I think it's a personal thing you know it's your chance to be like this is everything I've gathered in all my life as a chef and we're going to do something amazing and I'm going to take you on a journey how many courses should a tasting menu be I think a tasting menu should be at least six courses you know as much as many as Oh, God, I did a 12 course, didn't I? For John Chow. Remember that? Yes. Yeah, that was a great... I had a lot of fun doing that. You did that. very well. So what was your... If somebody asked for a tasting menu without the pressure of being on a yacht, free reign, what, how many courses would you do and what would some of your star player courses well i would um i think i'd probably do I, it depends on the circumstance but i think i think an eight course tasting menu is about enough because the problem is when you start getting into the tens and twelves and and upwards then you know you're, you're talking about a three hour ordeal i think i helped you with an eight course tasting menu in oviedo oviedo Around Christmas? Is that, yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah, that was perfect. Right. Being a chef is 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 a very giving thing, believe it or not, because we're we're usually pretty much self righteous. But to be honest, we we really are trying to give and trying to you know not not educate people but invite them into different realms and, and adventures and uh and i think a, a tasting menu should be an amazing experience and hopefully one that is not easily forgotten it's kind of like a musician when they record an album they've got 10 tracks on this album they're releasing and the first song might be emotional the second one's a beat it takes you on a journey yeah you could definitely describe it like an album except the musicians have like over a year to work on it and you guys have a day right right um it, it, it's it's you're definitely put on the spot as a as a yacht chef if the guest is asking for a 12 course tasting menu because you know you, at that point you know you're really subject to what's in the freezer and what's in your refrig refrigerator but like, oh we're having um, a quiche because i have eggs i've got some spinach 
I've got right. I feel like I thrive on on scenarios where not everything is at my fingertips. Because if I'm limited, it's then I'm going to be vast. more creative. I'm going to be more creative. You were the executive chef at a very young age on Athena, which is a sail yacht. But one of the largest? Yes, I was um I was head chef on Athena at the age of twenty eight. It was a three hundred foot boat and we operated three hundred foot sail yacht? Yeah, three hundred. And uh, we operated with twenty eight crew. It's a very big crew. But it was a sail yacht, so it's still not as big as it would it have was- been. It was it was pretty huge, honey. It was so for a three hundred foot yacht. The galley was big. So then, did you lose some of the sexiness of sailing because it was so big? Um, you know, I, we only went under sail once uh, in a year. But <laughs> how big is the Maltese Falcon? There's a lot of controversy. Who's bigger, the Maltese Falcon or Athena? Maltese so Falcon. Athena Athena has more overall length, but the Maltese Falcon has more waterline length. Oh, that's kind of better, right? So Athena has what, like a... It has a bow... Yeah. Has a bow spread. Okay, what's the difference here? Like 10 feet? It's no big deal. They're both big sail yachts. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that Athena is a far more superior boat. It was built from scratch. Every single thing about it was incredible. I could shut my galley door with my iPhone. Yeah, it was built by Jim Clark, who invented Netscape, so it was very, very technological. And and actually, the story behind Maltese Falcon, and, and no offense to whoever owns it, it was an abandoned hull in a yard, uh, a big hull, and no one knew what to do with it. And and thus thus created then you know thus creating the, the the Maltese Falcon. So it wasn't like a from the ground up build. No, it was a refit. A very serious refit. Yes. A phoenix um, rising from the ashes. And then- I actually just came out with my own chef knife line. Aren't you so proud and excited to finally? Do you feel like I, re- had I am? It's even got your face on it. Let's be honest. It has a small little stamp of your yeah. crazy hair and smile on the end. It's very subtle. Where Correct. would I, if I wanted to buy that for Christmas gifts for my family, because I hate Christmas shopping, where would I get your website? Chef. Yeah, so exactly. You can buy um, the knife on on my, on, on my website. Uh, there are two editions. One of them. It arrives in a beautiful box. Then, just for the the, the person that wants just the knife, um, it'll arrive in a plastic sheath, which you know you can keep in your drawer or put in your chopping in your knife block. And uh, and and that's that that's a, for a lesser price. I can't wait for my Christmas gift to arrive, and I'm hoping I get the one that's in the box because I've been a very good girl. Yes, you have, Ben. Thank you so much. I miss you. I wish you were working on yachts again. I know you're super busy with your catering company, but if you ever consider coming back to yachting, I would love to work with you. Well, thank you very much. It's always been a pleasure, and we'll see where it all takes us. You know, it's an it's going to be an interesting ride. I, I look forward to my next five year chapter. And uh, and good luck with with everything you're doing. And cheers for having me. Big thank you to Bree for taking the time to recap this episode of Below Deck with me. And also, of course, a big thank you to Chef Ben for stopping by and updating us all on what's new in his life. Make sure to tune in next week when I have the Canadian bosun EJ Jansen joining us. Now, we've all heard everyone else's impression of EJ joining the boat. I can't wait to hear what EJ's impression of the Valor crew was. And I have a feeling 
it was not all cool beans. Make sure to vote in our poll at After Deck Tweets for your Yachty and Dinghy of the Week. And of course, subscribe to After Deck with Kate Chastain on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. See you next Tuesday for the new episode of Below Deck at 9, 8 central on Bravo TV. You are now listening to the After Deck.